It's wonderful to be able to share with you today as we continue our message series in this season after Easter as we're looking at the book of Acts and we're looking at how the early church was criticized for, they said they were turning the world upside down because the values they were living by were so different uh, than the values that other people had because they were living by the values of the kingdom of heaven in the kingdoms of earth and that changed everything in a wonderful, beautiful way and we're asking ourselves, God, how do you want us to continue to turn the world upside down in a beautiful way uh, so that uh, this world and these kingdoms on earth can look more like the kingdom of Christ in heaven. Today we're talking about our story, knowing our story and sharing our story. In a few moments we're going to hear about how the apostle Paul had the chance to tell his story to King Agrippa who was one of the the local kings in charge of one of the regions around uh, ancient Galilee. Uh, But I want you to know that if you get your story wrong, there are vast consequences uh, that you have to deal with. When I was a young child, my family went and we visited some family friends who lived near Memphis on a farm. And on that farm, I met Bubba. My first memory of Bubba is the way that Bubba walked. Bubba didn't walk like you would expect someone uh, to walk. Actually, Bubba wasn't a someone. Bubba was a duck. And Bubba didn't waddle the way you would expect a duck to waddle. When Bubba took a step, Bubba would go way to one side and then Bubba would have to compensate and and get back to the other. Eventually I asked, what's up with that duck? And I was told that the duck at that point was named Bubba. And when I found out that the duck was named Bubba, I figured you don't get a name like Bubba if you're a duck without there being a good story to go along with it. I said, tell me what's up with Bubba. Here's the problem with Bubba. Bubba was the only duck on the farm and it was a cattle farm. Bubba thought he was a cow. Bubba would spend his days walking with the cows in the fields. And the reason Bubba had a bad foot was because Bubba's foot got stepped on by a hoof. And so one foot was normal and one foot was twice that size and completely flat. Bubba paid a high price for getting his story wrong. Bubba had no idea who he was. And if we go through life like Bubba and we get our story wrong, there's a high price to pay and it's worse than having your foot crushed. So all I want you to do today is remember what the pastor said. Don't be like Bubba. Amen. Let's have a prayer. (laughs) Okay. Let's go a little deeper. Actually, what I really want to encourage you to do is go a little deeper every day. Uh, We have our new summer Bible reading plan out. It's going to take you all the way through the summer with scripture readings for each day. You can find it at concordunited.org slash Bible. You can also pick up a hard copy of the Information Center. If you go online to concordunited.org slash Bible there, you'll be able to find uh, a daily devotion that goes along with the reading plan. It's going to help you go deeper into the scriptures. It's going to give you a focus for your prayers for the day. I would really encourage you. Uh, In fact, there's nothing I can encourage you more to do than that. If you're not already reading the Bible and praying every day, go ahead, pick up a Bible reading plan, sign online, be be a part of it, because we've got to get our story straight. And this is where we find our story. Uh, This is where we find how our story connects to God's story in the Bible. As we learn our story, what we discover about our story is that no one else can give it to us. Stories are meant to be shared, but can't be borrowed. You have to have your own. Bubba was trying to borrow the story of a cow, and Bubba got in trouble doing that. For us, 
We need to hear other people's story. We need to hear Paul's story today, but we've got to have our own. It's not enough just to listen to somebody else's story and say, that, that's a great story. You've got to have your own story. You have to find your own story. And that's what we're a part of seeking to do today. Once you find your story, you need to share your story. So let's take a quick look at Paul's story. Paul's been traveling around the Mediterranean world. He's been sharing the gospel with anyone who will hear him. Often when he goes to town, he goes into the synagogues and he preaches. And sometimes they're very receptive and sometimes they're not. Sometimes they start organizing churches in people's homes and sometimes they put out a warrant for his arrest. Well, eventually he gets arrested for disorderly conduct, for stirring up a crowd, for riling up their emotions. Uh, he's a Roman citizen. So he appeals and he says, no, I don't want my trial held on the local level. I appeal to the emperor. And the reason he appealed to the emperor was because he wanted to share the gospel with the emperor. So once you appeal to the emperor, it kind of sets in motion a chain of events within the Roman legal system. And you go up and up, you know, in our system, you go to the next highest court and the next highest court. Well, for him, he's taken to King Agrippa, who is in essence one of the local governors. Now, I want to tell you a little bit about King Agrippa. King Agrippa is the great-grandson of Herod the Great, who wasn't that great, okay? King Agrippa is the great-grandson of Herod the Great, who wasn't that great. Herod the Great was the Herod who was king over the Jews at the time of Jesus' birth. You'll remember he tried to have Jesus killed. He, he was cruel. He was self-centered. Uh, but he got the title Herod the Great because uh, he instituted law and order and building campaigns. And, you know, people like big public works. And they like nice roads and they like law and order. And they put up with a dictator to get it in Herod. And so he got this title, Herod the Great, but he wasn't really that great. Then after Herod the Great, Herod, his son, takes over. And this is the Herod who's around at Jesus' crucifixion. You'll remember that Pilate talks to Jesus at his crucifixion. And then Pilate's trying to find a way out of this difficult situation of what to do with Jesus. Well, he sends Jesus to Herod. That's the son of Herod the Great. That Herod, who was there at Jesus' crucifixion, uh, passes on his kingdom to his son Agrippa. And Agrippa then passes on his kingdom to his son Agrippa II, who is the Agrippa referred to here in our reading from Acts 26. So here, here we go. We're going to pick up with verse 12. This is Paul talking to Agrippa. With this in mind, I was traveling to Damascus with authority and commission of the chief priests. When at midday along the road, your excellency, I saw a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, shining around me and my companions. When we had fallen to the ground, I heard a voice saying to me in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It hurts you to kick against the goads. I asked, who are you, Lord? The Lord answered, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. But get up, stand on your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to appoint you to serve and testify to the things which you have seen in me and to those in which I will appear to you. I will rescue you from your people and from the Gentiles to whom I am sending you to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. 
After that, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision, but declared first to those in Damascus, then in Jerusalem, and throughout the countryside of Judea, and also to the Gentiles, that they should repent and turn to God and do deeds consistent with repentance. For this reason, the Jews seized me in the temple and have tried to kill me. To this day, I have had help from God, and so I stand here testifying to both small and great, saying nothing what the, but what the prophets and Moses said would take place, that the Messiah must suffer, and that by being the first to rise from the dead, he would proclaim light both to our people and to the Gentiles. This is Paul telling his story. And Paul tells about his encounter with Christ and how Christ changed Paul's understanding of Paul's story. Because Paul thought Paul was living the story God had for him. Paul thought what God wanted for him was to climb up the ladder within the Jewish religion. And Paul was climbing that ladder very quickly. Uh, he was an incredibly influential person as a Roman citizen uh, and a Jewish person being trained to, to be a rabbi or, or excuse me, a Pharisee. He, he had all this education. He had all this leadership ability and he was using it for his people and his culture and his tradition and his career trajectory. And he thought he was doing a great job. Uh, he thought persecuting Christians was absolutely what he should be doing at that time in his life. Many people, you look out there and you shake your head and you say, how can somebody be like that? They think they're doing great. Uh, they, they think they're thriving. They've got their story wrong. Some of us have been in that position. We've been trying to do something uh, and somehow it's just not fulfilling like it should be. And somehow it never works out like it should. And we've got our story wrong. And we, and we think we're winning and we're losing because our story's wrong. Jesus, when he encounters Paul on the road, there's this bright light. And Paul says, my companions saw the light, but only I heard the voice. Because Jesus is speaking directly to him and Jesus is telling him, you need a new story. And that's the case for, for each of us. Uh, we, we all come to church. Uh, we worship uh, we read the Bible. God's given that to all of us. But you ultimately have to hear for yourself. You have to hear what God is saying to you, what your story is. And this is what Jesus says to Paul. He says, why are you persecuting me? It hurts you to kick against the goads. To kick against the goads. What, what's, Jesus, what's Jesus saying here? Uh, goads were these things that they used to uh, keep animals uh, from kicking and keep them moving forward. Uh, they, they were, in essence, the spurs that they would attach to the back of an animal. So an animal, uh, you ever been donkey kicked? Hopefully not. Uh, but if you've ever seen a donkey kick, you don't want to be kicked. Well, a goad will keep an animal from kicking like that because the second they try to kick like that, there's this spur that, that hits them. That's what Jesus is saying to Paul. He's like, you think you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, but you're just hurting yourself and you're just hurting others. You, you aren't you made for this. this. This isn't what you're supposed to be doing with your life. And then Jesus goes on and says, hey, I created you for this purpose. All these gifts, all these talents, all this ambition, all this passion. Hey, I gave that to you, but you think I gave it to you for this reason. And I actually gave it to you for this reason. And you're going to have to change your story. And you think I gave it to you uh, to lift yourself up, but I gave it to you uh, to lift 
grace up. And you think I gave it to you uh, to persecute those who are wrong and to uh, defeat your enemies, uh, but I actually gave it to you uh, to love your enemies and to allow them to persecute you in order to show how much I love them. Jesus is changing his whole story. And Paul tells King Agrippa about how this, this takes place in his life. We all in life have opinions. Everyone has an opinion. Everyone knows what they think about certain things. Uh, let me tell you, how excited do you get in life when someone comes up to you and they say, I've got an opinion about that, right? Now, it might cause your heart rate to go up, but I imagine it's not a good excitement when you hear somebody say that. But when somebody says, let me tell you a story, it's different. Everyone knows their opinion. Not everyone knows their own story. We have to know our story. We have to know the story of why God has put us here. Or we're just walking around rolling the dice letting our life happen however it happens. We've got to know the story of why Christ put us here as a church. We've got to know the story uh, that in 1865, these people saw a community named Concord and they said, there's no church in that community. There's no Methodist church. We need a Methodist church there. And those folks lived out in Martell, which was the booming area out towards what's now Lenore City. That, that was uh, really the strong church community in the area. It was the area that was growing the fastest. And they said, hey, this little town called Concord, we should start a church there. And others said, man, it's 1865. Uh, the Civil War's getting over. Uh, we have no money. We have no resources. Our economy is in ruins. Why would you start a church now? And the leaders of that little church in Martell said, that's exactly why we'll start a church now. And they started a church out by the river. And that church spent 60 years raising money for their first building. And in the 1920s, they built that first building. And it's beautiful. And if you go to our chapel, you can see a picture of that building. And then these folks came in. And can you believe they had the gall to say, we're going to flood the river, Right? They said, you know, this little river that's been here since God put it here, we decided it should be a lake. And it became a lake. And as it became a lake, the families who went to that church, they all had to move. Or most of them had to move because it flooded out their farms. And they moved out to this new road called Kingston Pike. And so the church got together about 30 years later. And they said, we love this building. Our grandparents spent decades with their blood, sweat, and tears to make this building happen. But people can't get to this building anymore. And we weren't called to build buildings. We weren't called uh, simply to honor uh, the buildings that have come before. We were called to reach people. We think we go, need to go to a new place and build a building in a new place. And when they did that, there were some people who said, no, no, we won't. And this was 1957. And they had a big church vote. And they decided to stay. And we have a letter from somebody who was part of that vote. And he said, we decided we loved our building more than we loved our people. And he said, I don't know what we're going to do. I don't know if God can use a, a church like us. Three years later, they got back together. They voted again. And this time, with a little over, not quite 60% of the vote, they chose to come to this property, uh, one block off Kingston Pike, where people were moving. And the amazing thing is, the 40-some percent of the church that voted to stay, they came here, 
and they gave their money to build the building here. And because they did, we're, we're here today. They knew their story. They knew their story was to serve Christ uh, and to lift up Christ's church. And they knew that that meant going where people were. And they knew that that meant that sometimes they wouldn't agree with every decision their church made. But as long as, as their disagreement was strategic and wasn't uh, theological about the nature of God, they knew that they were called to, to serve in, in that instance. And they made an incredible sacrifice. And they gifted all of us with this community of faith uh, that we would not be a part of uh, if this church was still where it, it began. You got to know your story. I remember a young lady, she was a member of the youth group at a church I served in Lebanon, Virginia. She was very smart. She came from a troubled family. She was, well, she had the opportunity to be the first person to attend college in her family. Many of our church members rallied around her. She didn't think it was possible. She got unbelievable scholarships. Every college in the area wanted her, but she just couldn't see how it could happen. So she had mentor upon mentor upon mentor come around her and say, yes, you can do this. Yes, we're going to support you. Yes, we're going to stand beside you. And she ultimately went up to Kentucky to Berea College, which is a college where you can work and you can get through school with, without debt. And then we got her to college and we patted ourselves on the back. And we said, uh, we, we've done a great job. She's gonna do wonderful. And you know what happened? Yeah, some, some of you know exactly, some of you, I don't even have to tell this story. You already know what happens because you know how this works. She called us a month later. She said, I'm coming home. We said, why are you coming home? She said, my family needs me. We said, what, what's your family want you to do? Well, they told me I need to come back and I need to work more at that restaurant as a waitress I've been working at because they need me to support them. And it's selfish of me to go to college and all this, take these years to do this and not to work. Her, her family couldn't see. People, they were, they were good people. They were trying their hardest, but they, they couldn't see. They couldn't see these cycles of poverty. They couldn't see that she had a chance to break a generational cycle of poverty and create a new career uh, path for herself uh, and a new reality for her family for the, for the future. And so every so often her family would call her and they'd tell her to quit and they'd tell her to come home. But every so often a church member would call her. Every so often a church member would, would drive up to Kentucky and would say, no, 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 you need to know your story. You need to know God gave you this gift. You need to know God gave you this intellect. You need to know that, yes, you're not earning money right now, but God is going to use these years to put you and your children and your grandchildren on a different path than would ever otherwise be possible for them. And she completed college. And she is now on a career path where she's changing the uh, reality of generational poverty in her family. But she's doing that because people came around her to help her find her story. Because she was being told a story. She was being told a story by those closest to her, those who genuinely loved her, but it wasn't true. It wasn't true and she, she needed people. I, I just met the other day David Heatherly. Some of you may know him. He's the executive director of Mission of Hope and they do a, a lot of work 
just north of here in rural Appalachia. And he said, uh, do, you know, do you know what we need? He said, we have all these kids we work with and we get them into college and we get them on scholarship and then they come home because their families tell them they need to come home and it's selfish to go to college. And I realized that young lady I knew, she wasn't just one person that she represented thousands of people. And he said, do you know what it takes to keep them in college? I said, what, what's, what's it take? He said, it takes one Christian with one college degree to make one phone call a month. I said, really? He said, yes. If I can have one Christian with one college degree to make one phone call a month to this person, they'll learn a new story. Not everybody knows their story. Paul learned his story. I wanna ask you today, do you know your story? Do you know why God gave you what God gave you in life? Do you know that your gifts aren't just given for you? They're not just given to lift up yourself. They're not just given to, to bless your family. They're given so that you can serve others. They're given so that you can share about the good news of Jesus Christ with, with your life. That's the reason why they're given. In our culture, we're always told, hey, lift up yourself. Hey, go get what you want. Hey, show, show how awesome you are. There's a whole industry built around that. It's called social media, right? Everything's saying, hey, this is what it's all about. And Jesus says, no, it, <laughs> that's not at all what it's all about. It's about something completely different. You might think, well, who am I? What difference can I really make? Who am I gonna really get to share my story with? I mean, Paul shared his story with the king who, who's really going to, to listen to me? What, what difference would that make? Friends, I want to share with you, each of you has the chance to talk to people like King Agrippa. Now, Paul shared his story with King Agrippa. And you too will have the chance to share your story with kings and queens. Let me explain what, what I mean by that. King Agrippa was out for himself. Do you know how you... Um, how you stay in power for four generations. I mean, when you look at the Herods and Agrippas of the ancient Middle Eastern world, they're like the Roosevelts or the Kennedys or the Bushes of American politics. You don't get to that level without a lot of ambition, uh, without a lot of smarts and without a lot of conniving. They were out for themselves. And they would largely do whatever it took to stay in power. And that took a lot because those Roman emperors, they were always fighting each other. And one general would kill an emperor and they'd become emperor. And you had to make sure you were aligned with the right people. And the situation was always changing. But somehow this group of people, this uh, father, son, grandson, great-grandson, they stayed in power by doing all of that. And they would switch allegiances and they'd do whatever they had to do to stay in power. This world is full of people uh, who are trying to use what they have just to get whatever they can for themselves. Not because they're bad people, because that's what they've been taught to do. Because that's what they think it's all about. Because they, they think that's winning. So they're living their life as if they're king or if they're queen and you have the chance to talk to them and you're the most influential person that can possibly share a story with them. Because I want to tell you, sometimes we get into this idea that what people, what we really have to do as Christians is just get people to come to church with us and sit them in the pew and get them to listen to nice music and hear a good sermon and then they'll get it. 
Friends, your story is so much more powerful than any sermon any pastor can give from this stage. Because guess what? This, this stage is important. This room's important. What we do here is important. But for somebody who hasn't found their story in Jesus yet, for somebody who isn't sure if Jesus' story is true, when they see a pastor come out on this stage and they look at the nice lights we have and the nice band we have, uh, and they, they look at the fact that the pastor gets paid to preach, they're like, well, they're, they're supposed to do that. And they, they look at the fact that every day they log online and online they see another prominent pastor who's had a scandal, an ethical failure, and they say, how, how can I trust that? There are a lot of people out there that they'll never, they'll never come to faith through what a pastor has to say. But they'll come to faith through what their friends have to say. They'll come to faith because they hear a story. They hear a story that church isn't just about lifting up church, that church is about serving others. They hear a story that your life's been changed, that you're no longer just out there trying to get what you can for yourself, but that you found a higher calling in life. And that they'll come to that. The most powerful people in Christianity are, it, it, it's, not, it's not just pastors or singers, it's, it, it's, it's all of you. And too often in the recent history of Christianity, Christians have been told to, sh- to basically come to church and show up, pay up, and shut up. Have you ever been to a church that made you feel that way? Your job's to be here, it's to give money to the church, and it's to keep your mouth shut if you disagree with anything. Friends, if that's, if that's how you experience church, don't, that, that's not what God wants from church. It's time to embrace the calling we all have to pray up, stand up, and speak up. That we're, we're the ones Christ called. We're, we're the ones Christ sends. And so we've got to pray up. We've got to find that story in prayer because that's where you find your story. Just like we look in the Bible to find the story of Jesus, you're going to find your story in life in prayer. That's where you're going to find it. Beginning in August, we're gonna begin this whole prayer emphasis. For the next, if you've been here at the church for the last two years, you've heard us, we've been all about reading your Bible every day. And we're still, we're always gonna be all about that because if you don't know God's story, it's gonna be hard to find your own because your own story is a part of God's story. And as we build on that emphasis of reading your Bible every day, uh, we're gonna have this emphasis throughout our, our whole church on prayer, that we need to be praying because we have to pray to find our own story. And then we have to stand up and we have to say, I have a calling I have a calling. I have a, a responsibility. There's an old hymn that says, a charge to keep, I have a God to glorify. That we've been given this mission, that we've been given this charge of how to spend our lives. And we're not supposed to waste our lives just pursuing the American dream. The American dream, it's a nice dream, but it's nothing compared to God's dream for us. It, it, it doesn't even deserve to be mentioned in the, in the same sentence. We've, we've got to stand up and say, I have this call. And then we've got to speak up and we've got to share our story. And we've got to share it through our words and through our deeds, through our actions and through our attitudes, because ultimately that's, that's what's going to make the difference. Uh, some of you heard me share last week in the traditional services. I believe there's a work of God going on uh, in, our, in our midst right now.
I believe when you look at our society that people are becoming fragmented and they're becoming divided and they're turning against each other. And part of that, a big part of that is our breakdown of trust in institutions. Uh, we no longer believe the people who lead institutions and the way institutions are structured, that they really care about the common good and the common person. We think they're there to make a certain group get ahead and a certain group to get behind. And as I look at our, and, and this has happened in church, it's happened in government, it's happened in business, it's happened across our society. And when I look at our society, I think there were some things that institutions were doing that were harming people. And probably we had to go through a season where our institutions were broken down. But I believe what God is doing right now is God is working to raise up those leaders who will restore faith in institutions that can bring us back together. It's going to take people who know their story. It's going to take people who know the story of Christ that we didn't come to be served, but to serve. That we didn't come to lift ourselves up, but to lift him up. And I don't know another community in our society that can produce people like that, like, like the church. I believe that's part of what we'll see. I believe we'll see much more than that. But I only believe it happens if we know our stories. Stories are meant to be shared, but they cannot be borrowed. Friends, if you know your story, it's time to stand up and speak up. If you don't know your story yet, it's time to pray up. Because just like Paul, God's got a story waiting there for you. And it's better than anything you've ever asked for or imagined. And it's right there for you. Let's pray together. Gracious God, we come before you today and we ask you to watch over us we ask you to watch over our world. We ask you to teach us the story that you are speaking through us, the story that you have given us. We've tried living our own stories. We've tried living for ourselves. We've tried lifting up our names. And it's never led us where we wanted to go. We need a new story, God. You have it for us. In the story of your son, we find it in his calling, in his compassion, we discover it. So, oh God, hear the prayers of each one today. God, hear the prayers of those of us who right now just can't believe that you have a story for us. Those of us who are just trying to get by, just make it to tomorrow. God, hear, hear those prayers. God, today we pray that you'd hear the prayers of those who can't believe that you have a story because they've never encountered someone who knew your story and who shared it. God, teach us to share our stories in word and deed, in action and in attitude. And God, there are some of us today, we found our story in you. Show us how you would have us stand up Show us how you would have us speak up. Uh, show us, Lord, uh, how you would use us for your glory and for your purposes. Because we don't come here for ourselves, but for you. We don't lift up our own names, but we lift up yours. We don't seek our own wealth, fame, or glory, but we give our lives just for the chance to witness to you. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Concord United Methodist Church.
This podcast is a ministry of Concord United, and we would love to hear from you. To contact us, please send an email to podcasts at concordunited.org with sermons in the subject line. For more information about Concord United, including worship times, service opportunities, mission efforts, and classes, please visit our website at concordunited.org. We also invite you to download and enjoy our daily devotional podcasts presented by the pastors and members of Concord United. Finally, we would appreciate it if you would leave a rating and a review of this podcast so that others can discover it and benefit from it.